Hi everyone, thanks for tuning into our Scale to Zero show. I'm Purushottam, co-founder and CTO of CloudAnix. Scale to Zero is a forum where we collect security questions from security, like curious security professionals and invite security experts to learn about their journey and also to get these security questions answered. Our goal is to build a community where we learn about security together and leave no questions unanswered. Uh, with that, let's get started to today's episode. Uh, for today's episode, we have Mel Reyes. Mel has over 30 years of experience in the industry and has worked in with many companies of all sizes, like large and small. He's currently the head of IT and security, CIO and CISO at GetAround, where he leads the security, IT operations, data governance, policy development, and much more. Prior to that, he was the vice president of IT at uh, Synchrony. Uh, Mel, thank you so much for joining me in this show. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So uh, the way we do, uh, generally we record the episode is we have two uh, sections. The first is we focus on security questions and next one is the rapid fire. So let's start with those security questions. So I want to start around setting up security programs at organizations like governance or risk management or compliance. It's often difficult to set it up properly for one organization. If you add one more to the mix, it becomes even more complicated. Currently, you are working on like an M&A integration across three organizations. So what are the challenges that you have faced uh, while working across organizations to set up the security programs? And how did you overcome them? And do you have any advice? I know that there are many sub questions in it, yeah. but I'm curious, <laughs> like what are the challenges? How did you overcome it? And what advice do you have for future other leaders? Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I love this question. And, and um, it's, one, it's, it's one of those where um, if you haven't been through it before, you almost don't know what to expect kind of moving forward. M&As, while they're predominant in a lot of organizations, they're not in, in, in a few. Uh, mm -hmm. I, earlier on, or say about a decade or so ago, I had worked uh, with a company that had, I believe it was about 20 some odd smaller companies that I had purchased over decades. Wow. Um, and it had never really created a digital strategy to unify them across almost anything. Um, so what we ended up doing was quite a few things there that helped me get to where, where, where uh, I am today with, uh, with Get Around. Um, and one of the first things that I found, uh, and a lot of leaders are, are gonna say this, they're gonna be like, well, thanks for giving me the obvious information, is it has to come down from the top as a as a mandate as a mantra as a new vision of how we're going to be looking at pretty much everything and we saw this a, a decade or two ago with digital transformation right digital transformation data transformation and every step of the way uh the realization mm -hmm. <laughs> in the last two to three years when we had to do this is it's security now right it's security mm -hmm. Um, you know, where everyone should have been thinking about this a, de a decade ago, uh, two decades ago, or otherwise, uh, we're now at a maturity model where, uh, yeah, it's getting pretty serious. <laughs> we really need to create mm -hmm. an overall strategy, and it has to come top down. So that's the first step. That's the first big step. Then the next step is 
you could bring in every vendor and every tool you could outsource every function but uh the acceptance and the cultural education different companies if you've got let's say three to five different uh, uh cultural experiences divisions or otherwise mm -hmm. everyone has to be in the same playing field of understanding why right so this is where you get to quantify and qualify uh this is where you educate everyone on the personal responsibilities that they have when it comes to security and then you kind of walk some people off the ledge as to the why we're doing this right uh you know a lot of folks hate process logistics oversight right you know stop watching my keyboard right and it really depends on the culture that you're that you're going into and the level that you're trying to accomplish you work in financial services you can't get a cup of coffee without you know submitting a ticket right you can't do anything without you know getting approvals right you work at a startup you have levers that you can take and different uh, uh guardrails you can take so the first thing about m a is that top-down messaging but you, you a lot of these you can't get to a top-down messaging until you've got an assessment but mm -hmm. you can actually do that after the top-down messaging we've got a mandate right there's a mandate that comes down uh we need to be socks compliant sock compliant nist sys iso tie whatever the compliance framework or goal is right mm -hmm. why are we doing that right understanding and educating and then what is that we have to do is a, is a third step what are the actual steps that we need to get through now in order to resolve the noise the friction and everything else you have to customize everything, not just for the whole company, but for each of the individual groups. It's a culture component, mm -hmm. right? So you have to, you can't speak about security incidents. You have to talk about safety, right? Are we, right. are we safely ensuring that you can do your job on your computer and that it's not going to impact the crown jewels? Everybody talks about crown jewels, right? <laughs> Identifying them and going through all of the security logistics to make sure that all the key systems and PII data, all these wonderful things, these check boxes that everybody goes through. But at the end of the day, it's a culture play right mm -hmm. um you the last five to ten years you've heard you've heard shift left right mm -hmm. cute cliche now but it's still true right you have right. to start at the beginning at the very very mm -hmm. beginning and that's why cultural change is the biggest impact everybody hears cnn or in the news hack ransomware they said the other but they don't really understand that literally one click one file download one website could literally crush an organization exactly. to its knees, exactly. right? Billions exactly. of dollars are being spent annually to try to avoid that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, makes a lot of sense, like uh, defining the vision and also communicating that effectively across the teams divisions because there are different cultures uh, uh, and getting the messaging right to everybody has a major role to play, right? So. Let's say uh, from MNA, I want to bring the scale down a little bit to let's say startups, right? Uh, and uh, in startups, how should they uh, think about setting up the organization? L let me give you, let's say an example, uh, like a scenario, right? Let's say a startup with say around 100 people. Uh, they are in fintech or healthcare, uh, and they are handling a lot of PII data because they are in healthcare or fintech. So how should they think about setting up the security org and who should they hire first? Uh, keeping in mind that 
vision and the culture plays a major role. I'll tell you right now, if I was in an org that had 100 people and they were dealing with healthcare and PII, and now you're asking me about setting up a security program, I would be like, I don't want to do anything with that company. But I get your example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the most important thing for any founder, for mm-hmm. um, any CTO, CIO, or, or you know, or, or CISO, or anyone in is... You have to start from the beginning, right? It doesn't have to be tools and it doesn't, you have to start from the beginning to accept the fact that there are systems that need to be locked down, process, some mm-hmm. process that need to be placed. You want to keep everybody agile and moving forward, but you have to have some baseline of a an intent, right? When you, when you get big and you go IPO, everybody starts talking about due diligence and due care, right? When you're small, nobody even cares. Right. But if you have a trajectory of growing, making sure you kind of begin the documentation, at least spend some time tying things so that it does become easier. That's one. Two, um, if you're getting to a point where you've got 10, 20, 30 people, you've got to partner with somebody immediately to start to say, listen, I, I don't have the budget for a full uh, 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 InfoSec or Sec DevOps or, you know, but I need some guidance and I need some, some resources and some assurances. When you get to 100 right. people and you're talking about healthcare and PII and, you know, down the line, it could be FedRAMP because you're working with the government, you're going to be screwed, right? right? Because you're going to have way too much work to go back and fix or redo. Mm-hmm. And you're going to piss off a lot of people who created a whole workflow that now has to be, you know, torn down, right? Or you've mm-hmm. got to restructure data because it's not in the right region or not, you know, so you really have to kind of take a step in pre-planning that and pull in a partner. It could be a, a modified MSSP. It could be a, a security partner. It could be a DevSecOps group, but you really have to be able to bring someone in to partner mm-hmm. with you and say, listen, we, whether it's equity-based or some, you know, a, a smaller package so you can get that. It could be a VC group. Um, it could be a cloud mm-hmm. uh, advisory group. It really has to be someone that has done this has worked across all of the major players and the frameworks and everything else. Um, and that's how you're able to then leapfrog. Let's say you, you buy another company, but company buys you. You're, you don't mm-hmm. have a minutiae of remediations. Um, and you're also, do, you're not making the wrong investments, right? You're not, uh, oh, let's pull in the top right quadrant from Gartner because, you know, that'll solve our problems. No, not really, because you don't, you don't have the people to implement it. You may not have right. the culture to implement it. So you need to work that in. I would say any company starting needs to have at least some level of change management process flow, uh, you know, credentials, et cetera. And then as you get to the five, 10, 20 range, that's when you really need to start having the conversation of, okay, we're starting to grow a little bit. We've got asset management, we've got endpoint management, we've got all these other things that nobody thinks about until mm-hmm. they're at the hundred mark. And they're like, oh crap, we've got to go do a PII assessment. Oh crap, you know, all of our end, you know, all of our, our endpoints and all of our cloud instances are, you know, uh, the configurations aren't managed. You know, we just went there with the default configurations. You can't let it go too far before you do start to bring in that partner who could grow with you. Uh, who, and this is also where you start to build out someone in your organization may be leaning more towards being, you know, uh, whether it's InfoSec and legal and all the other wonderful things that no one in IT wants to do, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. no one wants paperwork 
process, but it has to be done. Some of the internal folks may actually want to do more as security analysts, you know, ethical hacking or uh, DevSecOps or lead into a VC world. So you try to uh, uh, culture that internally, but if you can't, you got to pull in a partner. You have to. Hands down, no, there's nothing else you can do unless you've got a rock star cousin who's willing to, you know, come <laughs> to your company for equity and, and you know, who's, you know, uh, in, in the security space. Yeah, the, the takeaway for me from this is that if you have reached 100 and you don't have a security program, you have made a huge mistake already. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you, so, you, you are literally walking in a field of landmines if you're already at yeah. that point. Yeah, either like start early. Uh, if you are not able to hire somebody in-house, at least partner up with uh, others and uh, have security in place, right? So w one of the things uh, that happens, right, when you, uh, when you are a startup uh, or when you are a smaller organization, um, your leadership may not ha pay like attention or they do not uh, put enough emphasis on security, right? Sometimes it's, uh, let's say, your engineers who bring it up that, hey, we need to have better security. So you have worked with many organizations, right, large and small. According to you, like security, should, should that be a top-down uh, approach or should it be like a bottom-up, like somebody from engineering or the individual contributors bringing it up and then uh, sort of implementing it across the organization. Yeah. So, so here, here's, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, and I, and I love both of these ends, right? I love both of these ends because number one, let's start off with the engineering. Um, any engineer in any language on any platform today that isn't thinking about security may want to revisit their whole career life right because you've got <laughs> buffer overruns you've got you know you it, there's just so many other wonderful things that you have to consideration that have to take into consideration and, and this is like for decades now this isn't something new right, right. sql injections right. all the basic stuff so you have to be able to think that way number one mm -hmm. number two you have to be the voice of concern to say hey we've got a five-step deployment process and we don't right. we don't do code scans we don't have checkpoints here where's configuration management and you have to kind of create a nice formalized view as well as release management as well as your your, your redundancy backup of redundancy and you know so if your engineering team is not mm -hmm. focused on one or all of these things then you need a new engineering team hands down <laughs> flat out if your lead of engineering or your cto or whatever is not thinking about things then it's it's you've got to you know uh have a come to jesus moment and say and say tell them you have to make this top priority whether it's 10 percent now and 30 percent of the time later because guess what's going to happen? You're going to start to get a backlog once you do start doing scans and you once you do start doing pen tests, a backlog of tickets that need to right. be addressed, right? right. So no matter what, you're, you're, you're screwed if you do and you're screwed if you don't, right? But if you do do it ahead of time and you do this, then the, the remediation and everything else shrinks through. So number one, um, it has to be a mandate for everyone. I don't care if you are a junior developer, QA, or you are, you know, again, you walk on water with Golang or anything else, right? It has to be that. Then mm -hmm. the conversation that I really love is the, um, the, the lack of awareness of potential impact 
by so many other folks at the top, right? Some mm-hmm. folks read articles, they stay on top, they understand, they get the, they get the risk and the impact, but there's so many folks who don't understand the true impact. Um, so educating the board so that it is a top down, right? Educating the, C- mm-hmm. the board to the CEO, to the to the to every other C-suite, to every other VP, however the organization is structured, right? Even if it's two layers, board, you know, a board C- uh, CEOs, and then just a lot of engineers or heads of you know right. whatever that is. I say it all the time. These are words that I don't actually like. So I hate saying words that are that have legal or infosec <laughs> backing, right? Due diligence, due care, right? Um, all of these words are bound by other efforts. 21 years mm-hmm. ago, we had a financial crisis. What happened? And this is this is part of one of the groups that I'm working with, the Digital Directors Network, to elevate the importance of a security-minded mm-hmm. person on a board, audit teams that are, are targeting and really looking at at the board level, what the impact of cybersecurity are, and then trying to make sure that there's raised awareness around um, a risk assessment and factor, right? So how deep and how small and, you know, but as long as there's a conversation to be had, what are we doing about security and dev, security and operations, security across, you know, all of our data, as long as that conversation is had at the top down, asking the CEO, which asks everybody else, that's where that has to be. So, as well as acceptance of investments that need to be made. Not doesn't have to be day one, but it mm-hmm. has to be an acceptance. At some point, you're going to cross a threshold where you're going to get too much data, too many users. You're going to have the visibility that you're going to become an attack vector for a lot of folks. So you have to make an investment. So um, saying that there isn't budget at all for anything in security is not an answer saying you know mm-hmm. this is not the right time also not the right answer right because you can spend six hundred thousand dollars on marketing campaigns this month but guess what you could lose six billion dollars worth of value right. in just one attack mm-hmm. yeah so uh, the takeaway for me uh, from this is security should be a top-down for approach for sure but that doesn't mean your individual contributors should not care about it. Like it's a joint responsibility between everyone. execs it's everyone. and the everyone. everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Makes everyone. Sense. Everyone uh, along the way. Those two ends are the most critical points, right? One funds right. it and makes sure you're 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 getting the right direction and one implements it and makes sure that, that it's ingrained in the culture. Because you've got marketing teams, you've got a lot of other teams in between. Right. Everybody has to be conscious of it. But if you take those two ends, those are those two critical path points. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Um, so sure. when starting in security, let's say when a uh, organization is setting up the security often they're advised that maybe start with a security certification, like a have a compliance program, like either SOC 2 or ISO or HIPAA. And those uh, compliance families have certain controls which make sure that your basic security is done right. Like, according to you, what is the right time to invest to uh, sort of improve the overall security posture versus uh, getting a security certification? You know, so and you actually went through what I would call like the the um, the graduating scale of difficulty, right? You said SOC two, 
ISO, mm -hmm. and then HIPAA, right? So if you're at a point where, where you need to hit HIPAA and you haven't started talking about security at all, you might be pretty screwed. Again, a lot of refactoring, data, data relocation, configurations, right? So at the base, you've got compliance pieces and then you've got frameworks, mm -hmm. right? If mm -hmm. you come into this with just, if, if someone listens to this and they're starting a startup, and, and they hear this one bit of advice, it'll save them millions of dollars in the future. Just start with a small framework. NIST, okay. SIS, SOC 1, right? It doesn't need, you know, you don't have to go through an expensive audit, right? You don't, as long as you have a foundation of things that you should be doing, doesn't mm -hmm. mean you have to do them, that you should be doing, <laughs> right? And then seeing if you can create a gap and say, you know what? We're only doing 10 out of 20 controls right now. That's okay. Mm -hmm. in, a, in three months, let's try to see if we can target one or two more controls what, and learn about them. What is it we need to change in our process? What do we need to do with vendors? What are we, right? And then it becomes part of the culture. If, for example, you're at 100 people, you're about to sign that big government contract, you know, because you're in healthcare, then you're screwed. That's when you've got to pull in partners. Um, and I've been working with groups like the um, uh, Gracie, uh, which is uh, a fantastic group that brings in a, 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 a set of, of uh, leaders as well as t of uh, um compliance, security, and risk teams, um, and it's also for a good cause, right? GRCIE.org. Uh, um, okay. It's when you find those kind of partners uh, and you can, you can come in and do the assessments and build out something and create the plans, right? So you either pay through some growth throughout your maturity, or you pay a lot at the very end, unless you could find the right partners like I've been able to work with, right? And and that's where, you know, Gracie comes in because it comes in at a good shiv, right? You're not paying, uh, you know, a VC, so five to $750,000, you know, a year to now clean this stuff up or an hour, right? Uh, you're mm -hmm. also um, ensuring that as a culture, you're growing. So, Picking one of the frameworks, getting somebody identified to be the owner, whether it's legal or whether somebody else say, listen, this is just a logistical process. What do we need to learn? Get the head of engineering, get the head of legal. Get who, you know, if you don't have a legal person, then I don't know what kind of company you're, you know, start if you're running. If you don't have a head of engineering, then it may not be a digital play, right? But at the end of the day, um, if you get that in there, right, you don't have to boil the ocean. At the beginning, you don't have to boil the ocean mm -hmm. at the middle, but once once you're ready to make that leap, well, again, it could be from it could be 20 people, or it could be 100 people. If you want to be a global leader or a national partner or integrate with other companies and get, someone's going to ask you for your SOC two. Someone's going to ask you for some right. level of uh, you know due diligence and due care proof. So you have to at least showcase that you have a gap analysis, that you understand where you're at, you understand your risks, you know where your your um, your crown jewels are, um, and you don't have to be certified until you're ready to sign that and release, right? But having that that gap in there, reduce scope, right? You know, just scoping mm -hmm. to that specific key system that that is pertinent to to the to the um, to the uh, um, the project or the contract. All of these things are doable, but at the end of the day, you need at least one person to ask the question, what are we doing about security? Yeah, makes sense. Uh, and I think uh, you uh, mentioned a very important point, which is have the foundation. 
and also do the gap analysis right because not you cannot implement all the controls from day one we'll always start small right. so having that gap analysis right. document where you know why right. you have decided not to implement a control has a major role to play um that right. that makes a lot of sense now the question is let's say i did the security setup and all that uh but still there are breaches right that happens and uh, nowadays organizations have taken serious security seriously uh but when we talk to organization they we still see like some basic mistakes being done right uh, i bet you must have seen right. that as well with our other organization <laughs> so like what are the top three things that you think organizations are still getting wrong and they know it maybe right. they are not able to fix it or they think that they won't get uh, caught and they can get away with it like what are those things according right. to you so you know it's this is a really interesting conversation um because i've seen it across multiple roles and mm-hmm. um the risk tolerance level right of certain mm-hmm. things uh is cute right it's really cute in some companies right uh mm-hmm. and by what i mean by cute is are you crazy <laughs> right why would you risk accept that right but i pull right. it back and i say all right let's walk through this so now um things things that i've seen or things that i've seen why they happen right so the the you know the the shifts in different companies that i've seen uh have been really uh partially tied to the culture partially tied to the budget and partially tied to the priorities that have been set from top down right mm-hmm. so if the priority is to build out version 2.0 of the widget and nothing can stop that and we don't have resources outside of being able to build the new 3D widget model online and in mobile <laughs> then guess what you're probably not going to get a lot of traction on by the way you've got 642 uh tickets that you know 50 of them are at critical cve levels blah 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 that need to be addressed right so there's a risk you know if we don't launch we don't make money if you do launch with that you could lose a lot of money right so there's some <laughs> risk acceptance there um right. the way to communicate those and the exposure points and the impact right once you have that analysis of your your crown jewels and everything else you know you could say you can build that and you could be on in a trajectory to be at a 100 billion dollar you know forecast but guess what it could be for not in one split second that's one two um when i talk about risk acceptance um it really actually does come down to um the consensus right getting everybody at the table senior leadership the board legal uh whether you're a global company or a local company um as well as the IT leaders to say i i'm going to i'm going to paint a picture for you right for companies less than 1000 employees it can cost at a minimum or on average 7 to 8 million dollars per incident to wow. remediate <laughs> research and everything else right and and i t- that's per incident right so that's for a company less than 1000 employees now mm-hmm. can a, a a a small company take one of those hits maybe they might be able to write it off uh they take two of those hits 
uh, they may not have insurance after two of those hits, right? They may not have cybersecurity insurance after that, right? If they got cyber insurance, uh, security insurance, that's what, you know. So as you go through this, you know, there, when, when, when we see the malware news, it's because it hit a utility or hit a major player or hit one of the major security vendors, right? But every day, every small company, every credit union, every is getting hit by something, right? So if you don't understand what you need in order to kind of push the, the, the envelope around how do you address this from a, um, from a, a visibility standpoint or otherwise you, you really do get kind of lost. Now I'm, I'm going off track here. So pull me back with the question because I want to, I want to give you the quick summary of it. Yeah, yeah. So, and I want to touch upon your answer a little bit, right? It's not always about the cost. The, it always affects your reputation as well, right? And uh, employees you're, lose you're trust. You're so right. <laughs> employees Absolutely. lose trust. Your Absolutely. customers lose trust as well, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. The question was oh, around yeah. the question. The question was around what organizations are doing wrong and they are not aware of it, and how should how can they fix that? And maybe they are right. aware of something and they are not uh, like prioritizing it properly. Yeah. How should yeah. that the, the easiest be fix, avoided? Yeah, the easiest fix is, you know, the easiest fix is number one. If somebody is raising a concern, whether they're mm -hmm. the CISO, an engineer, or whomever, customer services, that there's a security concern, listen, don't just dismiss it. That's number one. Number two, do right. not become risk tolerant of everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, no, that's not going to impact us because we do this here. I'm like, you know, and I, I say this a lot. I'm like, prove it to me. Where do you do it? Show me the log. Show me the system. Show me that. Right. Um, and the, the, the third piece is, and I've said this now for about three years. This is before COVID, everything else. And now it's become kind of the mantra, right, with with being able to, 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 to go out with uh, uh, zero trust. I said, especially when you're talking about vendors, right, this this goes all the way back to all of the security vendors that had issues about three years ago, right? Uh, I said, don't trust and re-verify, right? Because it's cute mm -hmm. that we've been living for decades with Microsoft security recommendations or, X, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't want to throw out any other names because they, you know, <laughs> they've already taken a beating in the uh, industry, right? Um, but don't trust it. Why is it, why are these throttles and levels set to this? Why is that port closed? Why is that one open? Why, you know, all of these questions have to be asked and they have to be asked on a monthly or quarterly, biannual or annual basis, right? That's why in a small company, when you don't have resources, it's hard to do a vendor assessment or a vendor review. Mm -hmm. It's also hard to do the reviews of your configuration management. It's hard to do your reviews of change management, but it's important you at least try to make an effort across those critical systems. So if you're, if you're going on the, oh yeah, you know, Google, Google has all these things, right? They've got DLP and they've got all this stuff like, well, are the license levels that you have have that enabled? Have you looked at the logs? Right? You know, do you have the structure of your 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 whole organization right? Or you have mm -hmm. orphaned projects right that aren't in that umbrella to be you know a, 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 a monitor or otherwise right? So Thanks. constantly reviewing those things. But at the end of the day, most importantly, I said it. I started with this is. Uh, if somebody, you know, if you see something, say something, and if somebody says something, do something, 
right? If you want to take a, a, a mantra out of this, right, do something, listen to them, document it, get it to the right people. Um, but for me, it has always been, at least in the back of my mind, not because I don't trust the quality or the experience of somebody else. It's just because I need to see a logistical piece is don't trust and re-verify because things change. New systems get integrated. New uh, uh, properties get changed, right? If you have ever done anything with networking and you've, you, you're, you're scaling, whether it's physical mm-hmm. or virtual or, or whatever, somebody changed something in the Today. last month or in the last quarter or the last six months, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. So you yeah. have to revisit that 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 impact. Um, so to me, again, see something, say something, do something. Yeah, I, I love uh, one thing that you highlighted, right? Like trust and verify, re-verify rather. Uh, that should be don't the one trust. for everything. Don't trust, don't, yeah. don't trust yeah. and re-verify. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because again, <laughs> The zero trust is is a great concept that pulls a lot of things together, and it implement you know depending on the company implements you know some 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 of the hardening that you need right. You want to go to FedRAMP, just just mm-hmm. go straight to zero trust, and then re- rework every system that you have. What's the feasibility of you doing that in a major corporation? You know, overnight, none, right? What's the feasibility <laughs> of doing something like that at a startup from the beginning? Better. Right. But you're still going to cause a lot of friction. Right. So where do you where do you find that middle ground as long as you've got the mindset and the culture? Right. Mm -hmm. To to at least start to target something like that. That's what you where you can achieve great things. Yeah, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Um, And thank you so much for these uh, lovely insights. These are like there are many nuggets of wisdom in that. Uh, I'm sure our viewers will uh, learn something new and would love that as well. Here are the top three things I learned today. First, security should be mandated from top down and it should be implemented in partnership with individual contributors or the doers, right, who own the implementation. Second, from a security standpoint, start small with frameworks like uh, NIST, CIS, SOC 1 and understand your risk tolerance. Uh, Do the gap analysis during the process as well. Third one is for like for startups, start early. If uh, hiring in security is a challenge, work with partners or VCSO groups or security uh, like advisory boards or cloud advisory groups to set up a solid uh, foundation. So I, I would want you. to move to the rapid fire section now. Uh, so the first question is, a one-liner quote that keeps you going. Uh, of co- I don't know if it's code, but but I will say, um, having been in having been in the industry for so long and having known what I needed to go through um, in order to, mm-hmm. to keep moving forward and keep learning. Um, you know, I've come to the realization about two, three years ago, four years ago, that I, I needed to be physically somewhere else. I needed to have different exposure and I wanted to, to build a life. So to, for me, one of the things that I've been trying to focus on is trying to educate IT leaders, security leaders um, that are out there or folks who are in that trajectory to start to look at their own lives. Right. Number one. And then number mm-hmm. two, how do you give back? Right. So I've used quotes from uh, Nina Simone and others to continue to inspire me. Right. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me. Right. Because we live in a world where we could spend 
60 to 90 hours a week on incident management, on all kinds of issues, and da da da, or IT operations, or MAs and reviews. But uh, we have to be able to take a step back and say, is this the right place for me to be right now? Right? Should mm-hmm. I be working 80 hours a week so that I can learn and grow and make money, blah, blah? Or can I do this at 45 to 50 hours a week in a different organization? And I started this in 2019, right? My transition over. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, you've got COVID, and lo and behold, you've got everything else. So my motivating piece is. Um, and I say this to a lot of folks that I coach and a lot of folks that I talk to and my teams and everything else is the thing that we've ignored for decades is to be selfish, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we think we're doing the right thing where we are, where we want, what we want to do versus what we actually do, right? We right. actually live to work as opposed to work to live. So right. for me, yeah. um, Everything to me is about how do I become selfish and how do I work to live the life that I want. So maintaining that balance so that you don't burn out, rather you are contributing in a much better way. Uh, right. Makes and you're seeing this for the last two, that. three years so, with COVID and the mass the, mm-hmm. you know, resignation oh, yeah. and everything else. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my next question is, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self starting in security and why? Number one, read more. Number two, make as many connections and, and, and learn from other people as much as possible. Ask as many questions as you could possibly ask, even if you think they sound stupid. Um, and really get ingrained with as many of the pillars and as, uh, as possible, right? Some people just focus on one area. Um, I've learned that being an expert generalist helps a ton across a lot of different uh, uh, topics. So read, connect, ask, learn as much across all the pillars. That's what I would say by 25, you know, tw- 25 years ago, I was still, I was still a little, little on the old side, but it's still enough that within a five year period, you could leapfrog if you just took that advice mm-hmm. right now. Makes a lot of sense. So assuming you are hiring in one sentence, what stands out uh, in a candidate's resume for you? You know, I've used it. It's this, I love this question. I love this question because um, the, the hiring side of things is um, is something that, that always kind of kills me. Um, you know, you've got companies that have a, a regimen of, you know, this this matrix of questions and process and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I am hiring for showcasing of experience, ability to be able to communicate that, and a display of something that is not not the same or standard across a team, right? We can talk about diversity, that's a whole, but to me, it is really about showcasing something that isn't, isn't quite what you would expect. Prime example, I have, I have, a, uh, I have a person who I, I brought onto a team that caught my eye because they were a professional magician and musician, magician oh. and musician, right? <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, you know, sound editing and magic. 
And to me, I was like, okay, I need to get a hold of this person because if you think about it, in IT or security, magic, there's a direct connect. But if you think about it, there's a logistical workflow, there's planning, there's practice. So there's all kinds of other intrinsic pieces that this person brought to the table. And I wanted to see if that person is a good fit for this role. I almost had a, an offer to somebody else, but I pulled back and I did end up hiring them. So to me, it's about that. It's about finding uh, the, the the unicorns, the potential unicorns, seeing if you can develop them. And that's what, that's what I look for in a candidate is um, how do they present themselves? And I get past all of the other pieces, right? I get past the they, they don't interview well or they didn't answer that question well. And I try to pick up on some of the behavioral pieces and how how excited they, they, they get when they tell me a story about something they've done. Yeah, I must say that's a very unique uh, combination of skills, magician <laughs> and musician at the same time. Uh, right. But yeah. right. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Mel. Yeah, it was very insightful to speak with you. Yeah, it's been working out perfectly. So, no, th yeah, no, thank you. I, I want to thank you for the forum. I want to thank you for the questions. Um, and to be honest with you, I, um, I, I love speaking a lot, but these these questions and the framing are perfect. So, thank you for the opportunity. We look look forward to learn more from you in future. And uh, to our viewers, thank you so much for watching. Hope you learned something new. If you have any questions around security. Share those at scale2zero.com. We'll get those answers uh, by security experts. And see you in the next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you.